What if there was a different way to live and work beyond the hustle and hype, beyond the never ending race to get more, do more, be more, a way that's nourishing, grounded, creative, and aligned with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Alchemy in Action with me, your host, Amanda Cook. In each episode, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello, hello. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. And woohoo, we are two weeks out from the Wellpreneur book launch. This is so exciting. The Wellpreneur book is coming on February 28th. And just today, as you're listening to this, I'm getting the final proofread copy back from my editor. And hopefully then everything will be on track to get it out on the 28th. So the Wellpreneur book is the ultimate guide to help wellness entrepreneurs nail their niche and find more clients online. So in that book, I'm teaching you my entire organic growth system. Plus it's interspersed with inspiring interviews taken from the podcast with successful Wellpreneurs about how they've grown their businesses too. It's really awesome. I'm so excited. It's been a huge effort and I can't wait to get it into your hands. Now, today I am super excited about our guest. So many of you are probably familiar with the films Hungry for Change and Food Matters. I know that I watched them myself years ago. And today I've got the filmmaker on the podcast, James Colhoun. He's the filmmaker and founder of Food Matters. And our conversation was really amazing. It went in a direction that I wasn't expecting, but we really dive into this idea of belief and how your beliefs shape what you can create in your business and your life. James is really inspiring, and I think you're going to really enjoy this podcast episode. Now, something else that's super cool that I became aware of when we were planning the interview with James is their new offering called FMTV, Food Matters TV. Oh my gosh, if you don't know about this, it's basically like Netflix for health and well-being. It's really incredible. So you go on, and it's like Every kind of healthy, wellness, food, spirituality type documentary that you ever wanted to see is on there for one monthly price, just like Netflix. Totally love it. So rather than scrounging around and hoping you can find the documentaries you want, you know, on Netflix or on other providers or trying to filter through and find TV shows and documentaries that are really inspiring and uplifting and educational, you can just log into FMTV and like it's all there. So I love it so much. I've even signed up to be an affiliate and I've started watching the documentaries myself. And if you'd like to check out FMTV, then you can go to wellpreneuronline.com slash FMTV. Definitely worth checking out. And maybe we can share in the Wellpreneur community on Facebook our favorite documentaries so we can kind of help each other navigate this wealth of material and and watch some really good ones. Okay, so without further ado, I want to jump right into this interview with Food Matters filmmaker James Colhoun because it's really fantastic. Hi, James. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Amanda, great to uh, speak with you. I'm glad to be on the podcast. Awesome. So I know that many people listening to this podcast will have seen your films, Hungry for Change and Food Matters. And I'm really excited to have you on here to talk about your journey. And I've even got some questions from people in the audience that, that they've been wanting to ask you. So yeah, it should be good. Great. I can't wait. I'm, I'm uh, honored that people have seen the film and 
excited for what that means for the health of the planet. So yeah, very excited. Absolutely. So take us back. So I know you started, you decided to create the first film because of some health problems that your father was having. And I, I'm quite interested, like, and you can maybe tell a short version of that story for people that aren't familiar with it. But I'm also interested in, like, what were you doing before that? And, and what actually made you think you could create a film? That's a good question. Most people don't really care about what happened before that. And I'm glad you brought it up. because I think it relates a lot to being an entrepreneur. I, I guess we were a lot like everybody else. I mean, my father was an accountant. And after I finished school, he said, you got to go to university, study and get a good job. You know, this is the, the, the mantra that that we believe in as far as being a successful human on the planet. And uh, my wife got the same messaging from her father, albeit she was in Europe, and her dad said, you got to go study law in Switzerland, which she hated. And then we eventually ended up meeting each other in Tasmania, of all places, which is a small island off the southern tip of Australia. And it was one of the last actual islands in the world ever colonized by humans. I was reading that the other day. So quite, quite an interesting fact there. And yeah, we met there and we were both studying to be experts in the maritime field. I was studying to be a ship's officer uh, and a ship's captain. I loved being on the water and Laurentine was studying maritime logistics, like the trade logistics. She's from a Dutch heritage, so it sort of fits with her blood and trade. And uh, we met each other. It was great. And we had a career in that space and we were quite successful, very young, early 20s. I was navigating tankers, container ships, high-speed passenger ferries all throughout the Middle East and Europe and Asia, uh, saw a lot of the world at a young age, which gives you a lot of perspective. I found that very uh, insightful coming from a small town in Australia. And Laurentine did a lot of traveling in her uh, her upbringing, so I guess that cultured her a lot more than me. She already spoke five languages by the time we met. But, you know, doing that career together, we, we loved it and we were successful and we were earning good money and we were like, this is great, but there was something sort of inside of us that, that you know, had us sort of, what's the next step after this? And then when I had a look at the progression of my career and I was uh, on, at this stage on private yachts. I, I worked for two of the top 10 wealthiest people in the world at one stage, which quickly helped me realize that money doesn't equal happiness and money doesn't equal health. <laughs> and Laurentine and I were sort of like grappling with this fact that we, when we saw what the progression options were, they didn't really light us up. I mean, I guess if you see that in, if you're an accountant and you look at, well, what's an accountant look like in 20 years time when I'm 50 and you don't like what you see, you generally want to make a change. And that was something that sort of caused us to think about what we could do next. And at the same time, following that sort of energy, we were developing this passion in nutrition. And, and additionally, what was happening at the same time is my dad you know, was suffering from burnout, adrenal fatigue, chronic fatigue syndrome, depression and anxiety, was no longer able to go to work, was put on multiple medications by the, by the medical profession and fraternity, and was, his health was declining. And here we were learning a lot about nutrition and healing the body naturally. And these sort of events sort of coalesced into this, this point of, wow, hang on, maybe we should help my dad get better. And also what it helped sort of identify was that the problems that we were going through as a family were not isolated. There mm-hmm. were, you know, tens of millions of people around the world at any point in time that were suffering as a result of, you know, poor dietary and lifestyle choices. And then they were going to the medical profession, receiving medications and not really being given an appropriate sort of treatment protocol for their disease or their illness and were continuing to suffer. So I think there's this element 
inside all humans at some level that we want to f- liberate people from from an innate suffering. We want we want to liberate suffering, and it's funny because I think even the big pharmaceutical companies believe in the same thing. There's just different ways about going about it. And that's okay. We should allow anything to happen in this world. Anybody's allowed to just about do anything, ideally, as long as it doesn't cause harm. But we saw a very different path for my father and helped guide him through that. And, you know, eventually made the Food Matters documentary, which helped convince him even further in the power of food and natural medicine. And then that led into the creating of, of the Food Matters group and company and, 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 it, and it kept kept going from there. Awesome. I can so relate to when you said, and I'm sure a lot of listeners can too, that moment when, you know, everything's ticking along fine in your career and you're making money and you're trying to do the next thing and the next thing. And then suddenly you look ahead and you think, oh, wait, <laughs> I don't like this mm, path yeah. that I'm on. Yeah. And, and that's such a wake up call for so many of us. Um, not to take us off track, but and, and you don't have to get too personal, but I'm just curious, like, so when you decided like, oh, my father's sick and I'm going to help him, I, I think a lot of us can relate to that too. And and we've probably had the experience that you can't help people unless they want to be helped. Right. Yeah. So how, how, do, I mean, do you have any insight around that? Like how, just how that worked for you or how we can help people who might not be aware sure. of all the stuff that we are? I think when you talk about helping people or transforming people from one way of life to another way of life. You know, the, the old saying is, is, is quite true. You know, you can lead a horse to water, but you, you can't make it drink. And, you know, another friend of mine who's in the same space, Chris Walk, Chris Beats Cancer, he talks about how, you know, you can help try help a loved one go through a natural approach to cancer, but you can't do it from the passenger seat. You know, the driver has to be doing it. You know, this is the patient. So how do you create a patient-led transformation. And this has really been at the core of what, what we focus on and try to do is how do we create that shift? And thankfully, and maybe this was actually, I believe it was a big catalyst in us sort of shifting from shipping and, and seafaring into filmmaking and, and helping people heal was doing a lot of personal development work. And I think this helped us understand transformation a little bit more as well. And, and I accidentally came across the work of like Tony Robbins and, and, and a few other, other, other people, and it ignited my passion for learning. And I think that inside all of us is this innate passion and, and want to learn and grow. I think it's, it's a need of the spirit to grow, you know, to keep learning and growing, developing yourself, whether you're an athlete or a business person or an entrepreneur. And in that journey, you know, it was it was clear that that what creates change is helping shift belief systems. And I love it because it's such a challenging thing to understand. Like beliefs, why would you talk about beliefs when it comes to healing or or creating a transformation in somebody? But it's really quite simple, and I think this is the the ultimate key. So, what when my dad was unwell on six different medications, fifty pounds overweight, really struggling with his health, even to the point of considering taking his own life partly because we later found out that some of the medications he was on did potentially cause suicidal uh, thoughts, which the drug companies denied, mind you, for a number of years before coming out and, and admitting the case. That's a whole other story, which is covered in the, in the Food Matters film. But you know, what was clear is that his belief systems at that stage of his life was that, well, I'm an accountant, and if people have business advice, they come in and trust their business advice with me, and I advise them on tax planning, strategy, business planning, et cetera. Now, when he became sick and unwell, he rightfully went and entrusted an abjugated responsibility for his body to the medical profession. Now, that's fine, except there are some flaws. 
and the flaws lie in the economics of that industry. But that's for another conversation. But but what made him make the choices to take the medications and do that type of approach was a belief, a belief in the medical profession. Now, what we helped him do and what the film helped him do and what I believe film has an awesome power and capability to do, more so than dinner party conversations with loved ones or trying to convince them with some statistics or, or giving them a book. What film is so powerful at is helping shift people's belief systems. And after he watched Food Matters and some of the interviews, he went from believing that the medical profession had all the answers and the drugs would help him to believing that his body had an innate healing capability and that if, if he was to feed it with the right nutrients and, and provide a, the right mental environment, he was able to create a healing effect in the body and turn his immunity on and that the drugs were actually inhibiting his body's ability to heal because of the toxicity they cause in the body. Now, they're two radically different belief systems, but it's funny when you talk about healing that it starts with belief, and then the belief shifts the choices that you make, and the choices shift the outcome and the quality of your life. So if I take a sick person and a healthy person, it's one thing to analyze their diet or what drugs they're taking or vitamins they're taking or their mental aptitude, but the most important thing I would look at is their belief systems. And to me, if you want to create transformation, you need to shift beliefs. Mm. And once you shift belief, then the decisions are not even hard to make. You know, if you believe with all your heart and all your mind that this drug is going to save you, then you're going to take it. And it might actually create a placebo effect in your body to help you heal, even though the drug didn't do it. This is the case with sugar pills and depression patients, study after study, proving that they thought they were taking the antidepressant they got better. There's even studies showing that people who thought they took a chemotherapeutic agent in a double-blind placebo test for cancer drugs actually lost their hair. I mean, oh my wow. goodness. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. These studies exist and the whole world ignores them and the whole medical profession wants to beat placebo. We should be using placebo. The main way we heal the body is by shifting beliefs. Then the food and all that other stuff comes later. And Bruce Lipton proved this with Biology of Belief. Mm-hmm. I've just interviewed him for a new film we're doing. We're going to be talking a lot more about the mind. But the mind is an almighty beast. You know, the spiritual sages of this world have known it for centuries. How do we help shift belief systems? To me, that is the power of healing the body, and that's where it all starts. Ooh, I love it. And, you know, that's actually this idea of your beliefs ultimately dictate your results. I think that's true in business, too. Because I see absolutely every part of your life. Yeah, like really only growing to what they think is possible. And it can be so useful to have the I mean, just essential to have those people in your lives that in your life that help you see that bigger vision for yourself. So I'm curious, and this this totally relates to my next question. So you saw this need with your father, and you wanted to start recording some interviews and make a film. How did you even think you could do that? Did you have any you know, this is like a this is a belief. So you must have just had a belief. Yeah. I can make a film, even though. Yeah. Did you have any experience Absolutely. doing that? Like, so this, how, how did that come about? We had zero experience, but we developed the belief and convinced ourselves that we could make a film. And I think this is where you're exactly on point, saying that beliefs impact the outcomes and the choices and the decisions in your life when it comes to your health, but it also impacts your ability in business. And really, success and opportunity flows to people with the greatest vision and the m- most adamant belief in their capability to fulfill that vision. And <laughs> whether you believe it's possible or not is totally true. And, and this is where I think that this personal development work 
when I, you know we were doing some Tony Robbins stuff, we started reading a lot of books. It was just mind blowing. It's like, wow, hang on. So we download beliefs from our environment from third trimester through to six years of age in particular. That's a very heavy download period because we're primarily living in a subclinical hypnotic trance and we download our environment. And then we just play back those beliefs, whether they're true or not, for the rest of our lives, for the most part. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Is this not the most important news in the world? You know, and, and then we think, so how do we identify if we have limiting beliefs? Well, there's ways of doing that. You can work with people. You can read about it. You can learn about it. You can find out how you're sabotaging yourself in your business or personal life. But to me, it's really, it does come down to beliefs. And it's also about balancing the realities of that. So it's like, it's one thing to say, you know, I believe I can make a film, but then you just look at it. Well, what do you need? Okay. Well, you need some equipment. You need the right people. You need a good story. You know, you need good editor or co-producer, and then you need to get some graphics and audio. Yep. We can do that. Piece of cake. You know, so I think that it's one thing to believe it, but then it's another thing to really actually realize it and plan it out and go, Mm -hmm. if I chunk that down, if I chunk that down, it's an achievable plan. Mm-hmm. So those two sort of factors together, I think, really helped us kickstart, you know, with creating a film. And, and I guess that perceived risk of investing our entire life savings that we worked, you know, seven years in our corporate career to, to, to save instead of buying a house and then sticking with our jobs. We just went and spent it all on this film, plus borrowed, after we helped my dad get better, borrowed $50,000 from Bank of Roy, which is my dad, and uh, and paid it back with no interest, and he got no equity in the company. Poor guy, he wish he wishes he did now. Uh, but but you know, it's just a, a matter of you know. I really think it is a matter of beliefs, and I, I think that for any entrepreneur out there, the most important work you can do is the work on yourself and the work on clearing those limiting beliefs that you have around what's possible. You know what? What's possible for the scale of your your mission? What's possible for the the outcome, the end goal of your mission? Whether you partner with somebody big or you exit your company, you know, mm-hmm. that, all these things are constructs of the mind. Because ultimately, the whole capitalistic system is just like another religion, or just like a mythical power such as a government or a president or a king. These are all ideas that we have crafted as humans over centuries and centuries of the evolution of the human species. And capitalism is an idea. It's an idea that, you know, there's free markets and it's based on natural order and that we all contribute. But nonetheless, it's an idea. Money is an idea. So the more you realize that the way that we interact with our society is all through ideas and beliefs and values, the more that you can help sort of actively manifest and create a life, but most importantly, an impact that's going to help people by being able to I guess, consciously move through that veil of thoughts and beliefs and, and use it to your advantage. So not to your personal advantage, because I think with business, and especially in this time, every business needs to align with helping improve the lives and the quality of people's lives and the people's health for the better. And, you know, we're talking about wellness right now, which is great. So I don't think there'd be anybody on this podcast that isn't thinking about that. But the more that you get out of your own way, the more that you dissolve your ego and your personal attachment to the success of this, the more that you move beyond that and focus on how can I serve, how can I help, and then how can I shift any personal belief systems that I have in order to liberate that from my entity so that it can grow and reach more people, I believe the more successful you can, you can become. Mm-hmm. And that's also a personal belief that I've made up. So let's be, let's be honest that we're only talking about beliefs and ideas here, but they're very powerful. And it causes you to, to, to achieve or not achieve certain things in your life, in my mm-hmm. opinion. How did you first get the film 
out into the world? Like, how did you find the, those first people to view it? What, what kind of outreach were you doing? We studied a lot of internet marketing before we released the documentary because we looked at a lot of traditional distribution models and we didn't believe they suited our film and we didn't believe they suited our message. So sick people don't go to cinemas. Unwell people looking for an answer to their health don't go to Sundance Film Festival. They go to Google and they say, natural therapies for cancer, or is this drug causing me harm, or can raw foods heal my body, or detox effects of juicing. So we thought, well, hang on, if we're really mission-driven with this, and if we really ask the film, what does it want? It wants to be seen by people who need an epiphany then how do we reach those people? Uh, it was, you know, the internet is the way to do that because it's, it's, it's an incredible platform where you can disseminate information in a quick and effective way and even more so now than, than eight years ago when we started. And so we really went online direct and focused on reaching people directly plus also holding community screening events globally. Most of the time we were not present, but we would allow the film to be screened publicly for free a lot of films don't do that. They charge a public performance fee. So we'd allow free screenings and we just encourage people who hold the screening to purchase DVDs. This was when DVDs existed. It's hilarious. And, and we seem to have almost uh, eliminated them from the planet, you know, recently. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, and, you know, people would buy the DVD and that sort of funded the growth and just, you know, it's kept snowballing. And miraculously, you know, in the first four months, we sold a lot direct and we had a couple of big, Big deals come through with people wanting to purchase bulk amounts of the film to put in their gift with purchase for their products and that. And in the first four months or so, we'd sold over 60,000 copies of the film and we had, you know, returned a lot of our investment. And we were just sort of, I think even within six or eight months, we were back to to square and just in profitability and, and, and going from there. And it was just, we were shocked and, and elated. And just really happy with all the response we're getting for the film globally and the, the effect it was having on people's lives. And mm-hmm. it's been so fun. I just, I just love what I do now. It's just... What a life change, right? So different yeah. from being in the shipping industry to this. Wow. Um, yeah, I used to actually, you know, go to Hong Kong and other places of all the ships, you know, and I, sp- I still have friends in the industry that I catch up with. And it's, yeah, it's like this one degree shift in my thoughts created a different life for me, mm-hmm. which I think is really a key point on this call, which you, you've identified really in your questioning, is that it's the beliefs that really are so important. So, so you're totally right. You start to make these shifts and then everything shifts in your life. I know I hear from a lot of people in my audience that there's some hesitation around that too. Like it's a bit, you know, it's a bit scary to be like, okay, well, I'm going to shift my life off into who knows what, into the big unknown and the uncertainty. And did you have any... I don't know. Did that come up for you as you were going through this? Yeah, of course. I mean, fear is 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 such a, a common human emotion. We're all fearful of what what if we fail? What will other people think of us? What will my parents think of us? But I think you just there's there comes a point in your life, and it's taken me years to develop this, and it's going to be a lifelong journey. I actually believe that we all have a purpose or a mission, each of us individually on this planet, and. Again, this is a belief, you know, my, my language. And I, I, I believe that my personal mission is to, to dissolve fear completely in my, in my life. And I, I'm constantly coming up against fear, as we all do. And it's a fun play now for me. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm fearful of something. That's great. What have I got to learn? How can I grow through this? And the more that you just, I guess, philosophically think about life, you're like, okay, I'm sitting here on this planet. I've got a body. Wow, how lucky. 
I've been incarnated as a human, so to speak. Wow, how lucky. Generally, anyone listening to this podcast is the 1% really on this planet. How lucky. So then it's all to me, once you start to shift that focus around, oh, I'm fearful. What if this doesn't happen? What if this happens to, oh my goodness, I have the opportunity to do something in this life when so many people don't and have so many resources, anything that you have available to you. And if you become so, so, so incredibly grateful for everything that you have in your life, fear begins to dissipate in my experience. And that yeah. the more that you, the more that you exercise that, oh, I'm so grateful. I'm so lucky. I can't believe I get to do that. Or I get to meet these people. I get to interview these people. I get to put a film out there. The more it just snowballs into this gratefulness, fear eliminating trajectory. And the more that you then go, oh, wow, I did that and that worked and I was fearful of it. Now it was successful or I learned this lesson. You know, there's no such thing as failure. There's only such thing as what did I learn? Mm -hmm. And then it just keeps going from, from one level to the next and then you continue to up sort of grade your belief systems further and further and attract bigger and bigger or more interesting ideas and propositions into your life. I think people can get so down on themselves, especially so like a new wellpreneurs starting out and they go online mm. and you see, you know, these perfect Instagram photos and these massive followings and these amazing videos and people get really down on themselves about, well, I'll never be able to do that. And, you know, my videos are crap. And But everyone starts off that way, right? And I think the internet is such a great equalizer. Like you said, we're so lucky because we're, you know, we're these people that have this ability to reach out and spread what we know. Like we've all got, if you're listening to the podcast, you've got the technical capability to, yeah. to spread yeah. your message. And so yeah. I love that shifting your belief to one of like gratitude and like, you know what, if they did it, I can do it too rather than just yeah. comparing all the time. Absolutely. A hundred years ago, you had to be born into a wealthy family or into a, a nobility in order to be able to have any chance to be wealthy or make an impact. And now it's available to anybody with a cell phone and an internet connection. So mm -hmm. we truly live in unprecedented times and we shouldn't... It's so awesome. Yeah. We shouldn't complain about that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so this interview, is this has been awesome. I've loved it. And it, it's kind of gone a little bit away from business and more to mindset, which which is still so super important. But just in our last few minutes, I'm wondering if you could tell us a bit about how your teams evolved and and what that looks like today. Because I, I took a look at your website and it looks like you've got quite a quite a good sized team now. Yeah. With regards to team, I mean, it's, it's, it's like any venture. It was just Laurentine and I, and then we got one extra team member, which was just a friend that we used to work with overseas on the yachts. And, you know, the three of us then started doing things and everybody's doing everything. You know, it's just really typical from a sort of a lean startup or like a, you know, that sort of environment. And then we just started to, as we grew and really focused on organic growth, you know, I, you know, I'm tied into a lot of VC sort of angel investing circles and friends with a lot of people who, who live in that world. And, and there seems to be a lot of boom and bust in that world. You know, people will say, I raised 30 million, I raised 60 million, I raised 5 million, started this idea. And then three years later, that didn't work. They're on the next one. And to me, I was really focusing on sustainable, organic, natural growth. So we didn't raise any money uh, apart from the $50,000 I borrowed from my dad, which I paid back. To. And then just kept reinvesting that into the company. And we you know we were diligent in our saving and and retain profits and then kept using that to leverage growth. And from there, um, just year on year, just, yeah, a little more team to help with this, become more specialized in our internet 
an email capability, you know, then make another documentary, then do another film. And then, yeah, and, and now we're sort of, you know, our headquarters is in Australia on the Sunshine Coast, where I originally grew up. And we have you know, about 20, 25 teams there. And we have about 15 in the Philippines now. And so what is that? 50, something like that total, which is, you know, I look at it now and go, actually, oh, well, there's actually quite a few people around when I go into the office. I sort of just see it as a capacity of new ideas and further growth. And, and for us as a group now, FMTV has become a big part of what we do, you know, with the internet and with how things are progressing. You know, we mm-hmm. saw a big, big opportunity there to help people access more life-changing information, but also to create a platform for filmmakers that weren't quite getting picked up by iTunes or Netflix. They could have a home and be able to earn out on their royalties and uh, have a fair deal because, you know, not Netflix and Hulu don't always give a really great deal to filmmakers. I've, I've been in that, that side of the journey before and we've created a platform where they can earn good money for their content. We can create a community of people that are really interested in documentaries and nutrition, health and natural medicine mm-hmm. and ex- expert interviews and recipes and yoga and meditation. And, and it is and, awesome for anyone that doesn't know. It's like the Netflix of health. And I was checking, I mean, I've been poking around in there and it's, there's so much I want to watch. Basically, I could just never work again for several weeks <laughs> and just watch content. So it's really great. Uh, sweet. Yeah, I, I'm so proud of it. And I love it because where this conversation has been going a lot today is about belief systems, but you shift belief systems through becoming more educated. And the most effective way to get educated on a topic, I'm biased, obviously, is through a good documentary. I mean, you can sit down for 80 minutes and get a lot of great information in a really quick period of time. Like I read a book for 80 minutes last night, which I love doing, but I got through maybe, maybe 80, 100 pages. I'm a quarter of the way through the book. I learn a lot, but it's so easy to acquire a lot of knowledge through film. Mm-hmm. And I think no matter what people are going through, if it's cancer, heart disease, diabetes, depression, mental illness, or just energy fatigue, you know, energy issues, fatigue, or weight gain, if they go and educate themselves on a few different topics, all of a sudden your belief system shifts around how you approach food and your body, and you'll see new outcomes in your life, you know, through simple changes. And, and so to me, it's, it's so powerful. I'm, I'm just really grateful to be a part of that. And, it's a big part of what we do now. We've got Apple apps for Apple TV and iOS, Roku apps as well, not yet Android coming soon, and the web interface. And we're doing at least one or two new releases a week. And it, it's really affordable too. So it fits everything as far as my model of wanting to help people. And uh, yeah. Okay, last question, which is, do you have a morning routine and, you know, something that gets you in the right state to be productive and be in the right mindset. And I wonder if you could share a little bit about that. Okay, great. Uh, my morning routine, I mix up quite a bit. So that's a great question. I ask this question to a lot of people as well. Are you a creature of habit or do you like mixing it up? To me, I mix it up quite a bit. So there's a selection of different things that I'll do to get in state in the morning. And there are a few rituals. One thing is I love being in the water. So I try to get in the water just about every morning. I'm sorry if you're listening to this and you're in the tundras of Wisconsin and it's winter. Um, but it's just a, 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 something I'm very fortunate to be able to do here, even in winter. So I'll swim a lot, uh, surf a lot. And to me, salt water and the energy from the ocean is just like such an amazing power to just get you in state. Um, separate to that, or in addition to that, I'll do uh, breath work, or some sort of yoga or some sort of exercise. I love yoga. I love breath work. 
and or some stretch stretchy band sort of exercise you know those resistance bands you can just put in the door and i'll also have a nourishing breakfast which generally some days i'll be more on the fasting side so i'll just have a liquid breakfast with some a green juice or a green powder drink or a smoothie and some days i'll be on the eggs scrambled eggs made with smashed avo and a sweet potato hash or something like this so you know, I, I don't, I'm not really too much of a creature of habit. There is one habit ritual that I always do. And I learned this from a station conductor in France when I was living there, uh, when I'm working on the private yachts. And it was a really busy day and I was lining up to get a ticket to catch a train, I think, to Nice and we're in the south of France. And it was really busy and there was only two tellers open. I could see the train was coming and we weren't going to get our tickets in time. There was a bit of stress there. And then, the station master came for the, came in for the day and he was wearing a nice hat with his epaulets on his shirt, dressed up, quite a young gentleman, probably late 20s, early early 30s more likely, early 30s. And despite the big lineups of people and everything that was happening, he walked up to the first lady on the tiller and gave her a kiss on each cheek and said, bonjour, ça va, good morning, connected in with her personally. And then next went to the next teller handler, who was an older gentleman, gave him a kiss as well and said, bonjour, ça va, how are you? And he, he really focused on giving them personal attention who were his team, despite the fact that there was 30, 40 people there stressing out, waiting for tickets. He took the moment to do that. And it was such a, had such a big impact on me that personal connections in our relationships are the most important things we have in our life. And so since that day, every morning that I go to the office, I go and hug and kiss where appropriate and women, <laughs> every, person, every person in the office, every morning. The design, the, our Korean male designer, our interns, uh, our, our the head of operations, our CMO, our market, everybody. I give them a big hug. We have to get up and come in for a hug. And I, I think to me that's a ritual that says, hey, we're in this together. We've got something important to do and I value you. I love and, yeah. and that. And that's become, that's a big, big ritual in my life. And you can obviously quiz anybody in my office and they'll tell you the same. Unfortunately, I can't hug the virtual team. But when they do come to uh, Australia, I do go to see them. I do give them a hug. But ultimately what that does is it helps get you into a peak state. And in, in a peak state and also having the belief that anything is possible or that what you want to achieve in your vision is possible, those two powers combined are really, you know, put you in an incredible, incredible uh, space to be able to, to have an impact in this world. So that's, that's what I do. And I got it from other people too, so it's not my idea. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing all of your journey and, and your beliefs and helping us shift our beliefs today. It's been really, really thought provoking. And I think, yeah, we'll get, we'll get the listeners thinking about what exactly are you believing about your business and your life? So James, can you let us know where people can find you and where they can see the awesome FMTV? Great. Okay, perfect. So our main home is foodmatters.com and our t streaming TV channel is fmtv.com. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, all those places. And we'd love to connect with you. And more than anything, I'd love to just encourage people to get a subscription to FMTV. It's $9.95 a month or $99 a year. Watch lots of films on there. You will really develop yourself in a big way when it comes to mastering your mind and your body. And that's going to have a positive impact on your life, I'm certain. Amazing. Thanks so much for taking your time to be with us today. Thanks, Amanda. Great chatting. Have a good day. 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. Don't forget, if you want to get into the FM TV and watch a bunch of inspiring documentaries about health and wellness, you can check that out at wellpreneuronline.com slash FMTV. Okay, guys, have a fantastic week. I'm going to keep going through and I was going to say pushing through, but I should say flowing through. I'm going to be flowing through these next two weeks until the book launch happens. And I can't wait to tell you more about what this whole process has been like because it's been a lot more work than I was expecting, I have to admit. So have a great week. I will see you in the Facebook group and I will see you back here next week with the next episode and one week left to go till the book launches. Woohoo! Have a great one, guys. Bye. Bye.